Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And there it is. What's up, everybody? You're listening to another episode of Life in English. I'm your host, Tony Kaizen, and I know what you're thinking. All right? I know what you're thinking. It's been three weeks since the last episode. So forgive me for the absence, man, but I was in Bahia, bro. I think, I don't know if I told you guys that I went to Salvador uh, de Bahia and uh, had a great time. And I really, for the first time since I got here to Brazil, it was the first time I genuinely felt like I was on vacation. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's absolutely beautiful. You know, so I wanted to record a podcast, but see, here's my list of excuses, right? I was in this beautiful paradise. I wasn't really thinking about working i was just thinking about going to the beach you know what i'm saying and then on top of that i was staying in a house with like five six other people so it was very rare that i would get a moment of silence to record the podcast you know you don't want to hear a bunch of people partying in the background while i'm trying to you know tell you a story or something like that right so i did it for me and you right anyway um what's up y'all i hope y'all are doing good it's been a minute since we last talked. It is October 30th. It's almost 4 p.m. in the afternoon. It's hot as hell here in Sao Paulo. I got back to Sao Paulo yesterday afternoon, and I'll be here until next week, man. So, enjoying my last days in Brazil. <laughs> so, I'm going to have a good time, man, but it's hot as hell. It is hot as hell, like 32 degrees Celsius, right? Yeah. So anyway, man, you didn't turn on this podcast to listen to me ramble. I just wanted to say what's up to you, you know what I'm saying? just wanted to catch up with you a little bit before we get into today's episode, which I think you're going to enjoy, because today we're doing something like a comprehension test, uh, but in a fun way, you know what I'm saying? I got five short stories for you that I'm going to tell, and... You'll be able to test your comprehension, and then after I read each story, I'll read uh, like new and interesting vocabulary that you maybe aren't familiar with, or uh, just things that I think you might find valuable that you might be able to use 
in your everyday English, all right? So it's story time, ladies and gentlemen. Like I said, I got five short stories, and I'm going to read them one by one. I'm going to read a story, then give you the vocabulary, then read another story, then give you the vocabulary. That's basically how this is going to work. I don't know how long it's going to take, so let's get right into it, all right? Um, so the first story, the first story is called Do You Speak English by Simon Collings. I don't know where he's from. Uh, I just found the story on the internet and I thought it was kind of funny. So I'd like to share it with you. So here we go. All right, let's get started. Manuel had passed the fish on his way up the road. It was 18 to 20 inches long and its silvery scales were covered with dirt. The gill flaps opened like two gash wounds on the side of its head as it thrashed helplessly in the gutter. Next to it, A boy leaned against the railings, his rod and line dangling out over the floating garbage and the stream of brown, stinking waste which trickled from a pipe in the wall below. The boy wore a faded pair of football shorts. He was perhaps nine or ten years old, barefoot and grubby, and his skin was marked with insect bites. The fish gasped, then made one last convulsive leap, throwing itself in the direction of the river, and landed on the pavement with a thud. There it lay motionless for a moment, exhausted no doubt by the effort. The boy looked down at it, turned, and kicked it back into the gutter. Manuel had not paid much attention to the fish as he was preoccupied. He had just been to look at an apartment and he was considering how he could afford the rent. Accommodation was hard to find in the city and a place like this didn't come up very often. The apartment he and his wife were currently living in was so small their six-year-old son had to live with his wife's parents during the week. They had been trying to move for two years. He took out a cigarette and leaned against the railing, looking down the street at the boy fishing. Further along the quay, two figures were approaching. He watched as they wandered slowly towards him. They looked to be in their early thirties and were obviously tourists, Americans, he would guess. The woman had a shoulder-length reddish hair and pale freckled skin. She was slim and athletic looking. Her partner was tall and flabby, his stomach protruding from under his t-shirt. He wore knee-length shorts, sunglasses, and his long hair was tied in a ponytail. They came slowly along the dusty street of warehouses. Tourists were not uncommon in the city, but they usually kept to the old port with its Hokoko churches and stately customs house. Or, took the organized cruises along the reef. It was rare to see them in the district and Manuel assumed they were lost. Look at the poor thing, said the woman, stopping beside the fish, which lay where the boy had kicked it, probably now gasping its last breaths. She spoke with a lazy, nasal draw. The boy had not turned around, but he had noticed their presence. He stared fixedly across the glittering surface of the water towards the lines of washing in the narrow streets on the opposite bank, waiting for them to go. It ought to be thrown back, the woman was saying. Do you think he wants it? She turned to her companion, who shrugged. He looked nervous. I don't like the look of this neighborhood, he said. I think we should get back. But the woman wasn't going to let it pass. She stood there looking from the fish to the boy, and back again. You could try asking him, the man said. 
The woman stepped around the fish and approached the boy, who was still looking out across the river. The child's body tensed as the woman came up to him. Do you know that fish is dying? Manuel heard her ask. The boy looked up at her blankly and then shook his head. Dying, she repeated, drawing out each syllable, but the boy remained dumb, uncomprehending. He fidgeted awkwardly with his feet. I don't think he understands, said the woman to her partner. The man shrugged as if to say, I told you we shouldn't get involved. She looked around for assistance and noticed Manuel watching her. She stared at him for a moment, taking in the cream-colored linen suit, the shoes. She was obviously unsure what to make of him. Do you speak English? she asked, this time with a more respectful tone than she had used with the boy. Manuel said that he did, but in a voice which gave her no reason to accept his help. She held his gaze for a few moments. Can you ask this boy what he means to do with the fish? It seems so cruel. It ought to be thrown back. He looked across at the boy, and then at the woman. He wondered if he should tell her about the kind of life this boy led. About the squalid shacks down by the beach from where he had probably come that morning. About the parents struggling to make ends meet. Two days earlier, he had read in a local paper about a fishing community a few miles up the coast, which was being evicted to make way for a new hotel. The boy was watching them anxiously. Esta senhora quer saber o que você vai fazer com o peixe, he said to the boy. He treated the boy gently, with consideration. The boy wiped a dirty hand across one eye and looked at Manuel. É para vender, he responded. He intends to sell it, he told the woman. He tried to make his answer sound final, as though that was the end of the matter. The woman hesitated, perhaps uncertain how to interpret the lack of encouragement in his voice. Manuel observed her confusion. Her eyes searched his face as though looking for some clue. Her companion shifted nervously behind her. Honey, I think we should go, he said. But the woman ignored him. He shuffled uncomfortably. You know, I really don't think you should interfere. How much does the boy want for the fish? The woman asked. Manuel glanced at her companion with his stooped shoulders and useless bulk. The woman's determination amused him, but he did not smile. A senhora quer comprar o peixe. Quanto é? The boy named a price which was five times what he would have got for it locally. His expression was deadpan. Only a slight clenching of his right hand betrayed the tension he was probably feeling. Manuel told her the price, adopting the same tone of voice with which he had addressed her previously, but this time he could not help smiling. She seemed to interpret this as friendliness. She opened her purse and took out some money, peeling off a note twice the value the boy had asked. Does he have any change? she asked. Manuel translated. Again, the boy's right hand twitched slightly, but otherwise his face wore the same expression of innocence it had before. He shook his head. The woman hesitated for a moment and looked across at the fish. Then she held out the note to the boy who took it. She stooped down, picked the fish up carefully between forefinger and thumb, and threw it into the river. Without looking at either Manuel or the boy, she turned to her companion and they went on up the road together. 
The man produced a handkerchief and offered it to the woman to wipe her fingers, but she refused it. They appeared to be arguing. The boy stood holding the note. His expression had hardly changed. Manuel watched the couple until they disappeared out of sight. They did not once look back. He lit another cigarette and returned to his former position against the railings. The fish had not survived its lengthy time out of the water and was now floating amidst the debris a few feet out from the bank, washed in against the shore by the backward eddy of the current. The boy climbed over the railings and down onto a ledge just above the waterline. He began dragging the dead fish towards him with a stick. When it was finally within reach, he caught hold of it and tossed it up onto the road. As he clambered over the railings, he grinned at Manuel. The boy gathered up his rod and the fish and set off up the street. Manuel watched him while he finished his cigarette. Then he threw the butt down into the dirty river and made his way back the way he had come. All right, folks. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed the story. Hopefully you were able to understand the story. All I'm going to do now is uh, go through some of the vocabulary words or um, maybe some expressions that you heard in that story that maybe, you know, you didn't understand the first time hearing them. Um, or maybe they have multiple meanings or something like that. So I'm just going to try to give you, try to make the podcast a little more rich by giving you some uh, very useful vocabulary. All right. So uh, in the beginning of the story, they mentioned the length of the fish. I think you said maybe 18 to 20 inches long or something like that. And for those of you that use the metric system, uh, one inch is about two and a half centimeters, 2.54 centimeters to be exact. So maybe that'll help you get a better idea of the actual length of the fish that we're talking about. Not that it's, you know, super important, but anyway, in the United States, we use inches and feet and uh, yards and miles. We don't use centimeters. We don't use meters, kilometers. You know what I'm saying? So there you go. Uh, silvery scales. Now, silvery is an adjective just to describe something that is the color silver or kind of the color silver. You see what I'm saying? And scales are what we call the skin of a fish. Those are those little... I don't even know what else to call them. The skin of a fish, you know, they're called scales. The little individual pieces of the skin are called scales. So the silvery scales is like this: the fish had silver skin, more or less. That makes sense, right? All right. Um, gill flaps. The gills on a fish are the part basically right behind the mouth and the eyes that open and close that allow the fish to breathe underwater. Those are called gills, all right? And the flaps is basically just, uh, it's a, how can I say that? It's a divide in between like skin or maybe clothing that kind of open and closes. It flaps, it kind of swings freely in the wind. So gill flaps are just, you get the point, right? You understand? All right, sometimes I have a tendency to over explain shit, so forgive me for that. Uh, gash wounds. Gash, a gash is basically like a deep flesh wound. And a flesh wound is, let's say, you cut your arm with a knife or something like that, and it's really deep. You can see the meat under your skin, for example. That's a gash. That's a flesh wound. All right? Now, thrash is basically to hit something hard and repeatedly, like the Hulk. 
you know the hulk smashes and thrashes things okay now gutter uh gutter kind of has two meanings because you have gutters on a house the little piece of metal that catches all the water and it diverts the water down into the street for example but then you also have the gutter in the street which leads to the sewer where all the waste in the city goes you know what i'm saying so in this case we're talking about the gutter in the street that leads to the sewer okay railings railing is uh the metal pipe that you use um to keep your to like to hold your balance when you're walking like upstairs or downstairs normally the, there's a metal pipe that you can grab onto so that you don't fall or so that you can pull yourself up or guide yourself down you know that's a railing or a rail in this case uh dangling dangling means hanging or swinging loosely kind of like um think of an example of something dangling like a necklace from your neck right a necklace kind of dangles it swings from side to side uh trickle trickle basically just means to flow in a very very small stream almost in between dripping and flowing is trickling you know um faded we use this word to describe things that have lost their color like for example a black shirt if you wash it a bunch of times and then you put it in the drying machine a bunch of times, it starts to lose its color. It starts to become gray or brown almost, so it starts to fade. So the boy was wearing faded football shorts, you know? Uh, barefoot. Barefoot is basically just means you have no shoes, no socks on. Your feet are bare or naked, which is why we call it barefoot. Okay? Uh, grubby. Grubby is another word for like dirty or grimy, you know? Uh, it's just more, I don't know. It's a word that you don't really hear that often, but it just means dirty, okay? Now, gasp, G-A-S-P, gasp, is, um, it means to, like, inhale suddenly, normally when you're surprised. So if somebody tells you something surprising, you go, <gasps> that's a gasp, okay? <gasps> oh, God. Oh, God. Right? Uh, leap is another word to jump high and far. So if I... If I leap into the air, it just means I jump really high into the air. That's all it means, okay? And then um, the author mentioned that the woman had pale, freckled skin, okay? Now, the word pale in this context means having little color, okay? Like um, somebody, normally Irish people, maybe not all Irish people, but Irish people are, like, famous for this. They have very, 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 very white skin i mean it's bright white skin it's very pale because there's not much color in it you see what i'm saying and freckled skin means um freckles are like the little brown dots that you see all over somebody's skin normally it's mostly irish people that have freckles right i don't know but it's like little dots that you have all over your skin it looks like um salt and pepper in your skin almost hopefully that makes sense all right, now slim. Slim is another word for skinny, okay? Normally, we use this word to describe people. Um, like you have the word thick, which is another word for fat, but it sounds better than fat. I guess it's less offensive to some people. And then you have slim, which is another word for skinny, okay? Uh, flabby is another word for fat, and this is not a very polite word. Probably shouldn't call people flabby if you're worried about their feelings, but it just means fat. You know, all that extra fat that you got in your stomach or your arms, 
that's flab so your arms and stomach are all flabby all right protruding it just means protruding means sticking out you know like uh, a fat guy who has a really really big stomach his stomach kind of starts to stick out from under his t-shirt so the formal word for that is protruding or protrude okay and the man had his hair tied in a ponytail now a ponytail is a hairstyle that um, you take all of your, especially if you have long hair, you take all of it and you pull it to the back of your head, okay? And then you sort of tie it in one position and it looks like the tail of a horse. And a pony is just a small horse. So that's why we call it a ponytail, all right? Uh, the woman spoke with a long nasal draw. Now what that means, nasal means nose. It has to do with the nose. Now a draw just means it's, it's kind of like a pull, pull something like you draw a cigarette for example you you pull the cigarette it's the same thing so when they say she spoke with a long nasal draw it means she kind of spoke like this it's long and nasally and fucking annoying that's what that is a nasal draw okay and then um they mentioned a glittering surface now basically what this means is a shining surface now glitter is kind of like the shiny it's like a shiny substance that you use for decorations on birthday cards or some people even use it when they're putting on their makeup. They put glitter on their bodies. It's just like a shiny substance. So they're referring to the water shining in that way. It was glittering. All right. Uh, shrug. Shrug basically means to raise your shoulders slightly and then bring them back down again. Normally we do this when we're expressing doubt or indifference or something like that you know for example uh i might ask you what do you want for dinner and then you raise your shoulders up and down real quick like i don't know whatever you want you just you shrug your shoulders you bring them up and down really quick um see fidgeted awkwardly now to fidget basically means to make small hand movements and normally we do this when we're nervous like a little boy who's nervous, he stands there playing with something in his hands, like his pockets or his t-shirt or something like that. That's fidgeting when you can't sit still because you're nervous. And awkward just means uncomfortable, basically. Um, she held his gaze. Okay, G-A-Z-E is the word, gaze. And to hold someone's gaze basically means to, to lock eyes with them, to, to establish eye contact and then to maintain it for a few moments that means to hold someone's gaze okay now just to give you even more understanding to gaze at something basically means to stare at something normally with admiration but not not always it just means to stare at something okay so they were kind of staring at each other for a few moments um clue c-l-u-e clue is basically information that can help you solve a problem it's very similar to the word tip okay um useless bulk useless bulk is basic <laughs> bulk is like the mass or the majority of an object so when the author said the man's useless bulk he was basically saying the man's useless fat because he was a very big man and all of the fat is obviously useless so it was kind of like an artistic way of calling him a useless fat piece of shit uh yeah next peeling off a note twice the value now, in this case, to peel off a note, it's kind of like a, a, a poetic way or an artistic way of saying to remove a bill, a dollar bill, 
from her pocket or from her purse, but we say peel off the same way that you peel um, an orange or a banana or something like that. That same motion is the way that she took the dollar from her purse. Okay. Um, Twitch. Twitch is like a convulsive body movement. When you shake, you know, normally um, like maybe somebody who twitches. I don't know anybody that twitches. I don't know a situation when you would twitch, but it just means like a convulsive jerking body movement to twitch really quick, you know, Um, like crackheads. Crackheads twitch a lot, you know, Uh, stoop down. Stoop down basically means to get down or to get physically lower. Like when you bend down to tie your shoes or when you bend down to pet a dog or something like that, you stoop down. Don't ask me why we say the word stoop, but that's what it means. Okay. Handkerchief. Handkerchief is a small cloth used to wipe your nose or to clean your hands or something like that. Normally, when you see a man that's wearing a suit, uh, he has a pocket on top of his chest. And normally in that pocket, he puts a handkerchief, that small piece of colored cloth that normally people think is for style. But originally, it was it was literally for cleaning yourself during the day. Uh, it can't be sanitary, though, right? Imagine like you clean your nose and then you put it back in your pocket. And then you take it out of your pocket and use it again. What the fuck? That, bro. That's nasty. Uh, debris. D-E-B-R-I-S. Debris. It's basically just scattered pieces of waste or remains from something. You know, just scattered trash. Debris. Um, the backward eddy of the current. The backward eddy of the current basically means... The backward circular motion of the water. So the water was moving in some kind of circular motion. And that kind of forced the fish back towards the boy who was standing um, near the riverbank. Okay. Dragging. To drag something means to pull it forcefully or carelessly. And normally you're, you're, you're pulling it across the ground. You don't lift it up off the ground. You just let it drag. You let it sort of slide across the ground as you pull it. Um, and clambered, C-L-A-M-B-E-R-E-D, clambered. Clambered basically means, to clamber means to climb in this context. So he clambered over the rail. It's the same thing as he climbed over the rail, okay? Holy shit, that was a lot of vocabulary, um, but hopefully you found it valuable, right? Hopefully now you can go back, listen to the story again, and learn a whole lot more. And what I'm thinking about doing is putting the link to all these stories because I found them online. I think I'm going to put the link to all these stories in the show notes so that you can actually go and read the story yourself or maybe listen to it and read it at the same time. You see what I'm saying? But we're at 25 minutes already, so I think it'd be a good idea to get into the next story. Again, that story that I just read was called um, Do You Speak English by Simon Collings. Okay. Now, the next story, which I find really amusing is called the exchange by john langford okay this one's much shorter than the first one um but also more entertaining and it's about a man who wants to exchange a broken alarm clock all right it's a very short story but um i think you're gonna like it all right so let's get to it hello sir how may i help you i'd like to return this alarm clock please what's wrong with it The alarm doesn't work. How do you mean? The alarm makes no sound. 
Did you troubleshoot using the manual? Yes. And it still didn't work? No. Okay, do you have the receipt? No, I can't find it anywhere. Then I can't give you a refund. Oh no, you must understand. I don't want a refund. I just want to exchange it for one that works. Okay, do you have the original packaging? No, I threw it away. I can't do an exchange without the original packaging. It came in a plastic clamshell. I had to hack it open with a knife. I don't understand. Why do you need the packaging? Our policy for all exchanges is that the product be returned in its original packaging. It was just a load of ripped up plastic. Why would I keep that? In case you needed to return the item. I didn't think an alarm clock would break after a few weeks. So you're telling me you can't do anything to help? To do anything, I need some proof of purchase. I'm proof. I'm telling you now that I bought it here. In fact, I think you might have even served me. Did you register the product warranty number online? No. Ah, well, that's a problem. How did you pay for it? Cash or card? Cash. If you'd paid on card, you could have got a statement from your bank proving you made a purchase here and on what date. Well, I paid cash. The thing is, other stores sell this brand too. You could have bought it anywhere. I could, but I didn't. I bought it here and it doesn't work and you owe me an alarm clock. When did you buy it? A few weeks ago. Our exchange policy is 21 days, so you might be out of warranty anyway. I bought it last month sometime. I don't remember the exact date. We've been selling this model for a couple of years now. Are you saying that I'm lying? No, sir. I'm simply saying that you might have bought it 22 days ago, and in that case, even with the receipt and the original packaging, I wouldn't be able to do anything to help. Nothing? No. So now I just have a faulty alarm clock forever? Well, you could send it off to the manufacturer with a letter explaining the problem. It was made in China. That's more hassle than it's worth. Then I would suggest taking it to a repair shop. That sort of thing usually costs more than what you paid for something in the first place. I know. Can I speak to the manager, please? The manager's off today. Then can I speak to whoever's in charge? You already are. Is the manager in tomorrow? No. When's he next in? It's a she. Okay, when's she next in? Monday. I'll come back Monday then. Very good. Can I help you with anything else today, sir? I doubt it. Okay, would you like to open a store card? It's completely free and you get 5% off every purchase. No, thank you. If you open one today, you get a free gift. What's the free gift? An alarm clock. All right. So hopefully you enjoyed that story, man. I found it uh, very entertaining. And um, now we're going to run really quickly through some vocabulary. I don't think there's too much. All right. So uh, troubleshoot. Troubleshoot. One word. Trouble and shoot. But it's one word. It basically means to try to solve a problem through experimentation. Okay. You look at the user's manual, and then you try to fix the problem. If that doesn't work, then you look at another solution, and you try to use that. 
You're just kind of experimenting until you solve the problem. We call that troubleshooting. All right. Uh, receipt. R-E-C-E-I-P-T. And the P is silent. Receipt is a piece of paper that proves that you bought something. All right. Normally, every restaurant or store that you go to, whenever you buy a product, they hand you a piece of paper. Uh, and that's called your receipt. All right. Exchange. In this context, or really in any context, it means to trade one thing for another. But in this case, let's say you have a broken alarm clock, like in the story, and you want to take it back to the store and get an alarm clock that works. You're going to exchange the broken one for a functioning one, okay? Refund, R-E-F-U-N-D, refund. Basically means to give someone their money back after they've paid for something. So if my alarm clock is broken and I don't want to exchange it, I just want my money back, it means I want a refund, which is a noun. And it's also a verb because the store is going to refund me my money. Okay. Um, original packaging. Now, the packaging in this context is basically just the, the material that, that, that encases and protects the product, for example. Okay. So the original packaging is the first packaging that was put on the product, right? Um, I threw it away, all right? Talking about the packaging. To throw something away means to discard it or put it in the trash, okay? It's just another way of saying I put it in the trash. I threw it away, and that's past tense, okay? Now, the present tense would be I throw it away, right? Um, it came in a plastic clamshell. I had to hack it open with a knife, now, he's referring to the packaging again. Now, a clam shell literally is the shell of a clam, the sea animal. But in this case, he's just talking about maybe the shape of the packaging and the way he had to open it. There's not really much meaning to be taken from the fact that he used the word clam shell in this context. Okay. And then he said, I had to hack it open with a knife. Now, to hack something open basically means to chop it open. That's another word for it, but it's a little more dramatic the word hack okay so imagine you have an axe like you're about to chop down a tree or something like that and you're just trying to fucking hack open this piece of plastic so that you can get your alarm clock you see what i'm saying um it was just a load of ripped up plastic all this means is it was a bunch of destroyed plastic that's really all it means okay and then uh the store clerk said i need some proof of purchase all right now that phrase, proof of purchase, is really just like a synonym or another way of saying a receipt. A receipt is a proof of purchase, okay? Um, let's see. Product warranty number. The product warranty number is a, a unique identification number for an insurance policy that you have on the product that you bought, okay? Let's say you buy like an iPhone, for example. Normally, they're going to ask you, do you want... Apple Care or some kind of insurance, all right? That's the same thing as saying, do you want a warranty on your product, okay? It's just an insurance policy. Um, you could have got a statement from your bank. Now, a bank statement is basically a document. It's a bank record of all the purchases that you made with your credit card each month, okay? So what he's saying is you could have called your bank and had them send you a statement to prove that you bought the alarm clock here, Okay. Um, faulty alarm clock. Faulty is another word for malfunctioning. It doesn't function properly. Okay. A broken alarm clock. 
and the manufacturer is the builder or the fabricator, the person that built the piece of uh, machinery or whatever it is, right? And then he said, um, that's more hassle than it's worth. Now, hassle is like another word for trouble or difficulty or something like that. So he's saying, for me to send this alarm clock back to China and have them fix it, it would cost me more money and time and trouble to do that than to just throw away the broken alarm clock. It's more hassle than than it's worth, you see? Um, and then they said, the manager's off today. Now, in this context, the word off, when we're talking about work or your job, it means they're not working that day. So if the manager's off, he's just not working. Like he, the manager, in this case, she, she has the day off, which means today she's not working. That's all it means, all right? It's very, very common. You're going to hear that a lot, at least in the United States. Like, I got the day off tomorrow, so I'm going to take a trip. Or my mom's off work today, so she's staying at home. Just means not working, okay? But that's it for that story. Let me see where we're at. 35 minutes, man. I feel like the explanations are taking a lot longer than the stories. So hopefully you're still with me here at 35 minutes and 32 seconds. If you are, I appreciate you. And congratulations, all right? But now we're going to get into story number three, which is called King M by Crispin Oduobuk. And I probably fucked up his entire name. But um, yeah, Crispin Oduobuk. King M is the name of the story. And it's about a king uh, who lives basically in something like a desert land that doesn't have enough water. So he talks to God and asks him for more water. That's the basically the main idea of the story. So let's uh, go ahead and get into it now. All right. Hey, friend, I tell you a story, a good story with a moral in it. I tell you about a king. I tell you about King Mefiokma. See, King M, he living long time ago with big kingdom, lots of land and people, just not enough water on one part of his kingdom. So he has like a desert, see? King M, he a good king. So one day, God says to him, Mefiokma, you are a good king, so I'll give you the one thing you really need. I'll give you a river so you won't lack water so much. Good, eh? King M says, it's good, and thank you, God. Then he sits back and waits for the river. Soon enough, the river comes flowing through but it's flowing on the side of the kingdom that don't need it so much. So King M figures to himself, maybe God forgot which side of the kingdom really needed the river. So he puts up army of workers and they spend their lifetime diverting the river to the side of the kingdom that really needs it. Problem is, not long after they finish this tedious work, the whole river dries up. So King M, now wasted by age and disappointment, cries up to God. God, why have you taken back the river? I didn't, says God. So where's it gone to? King wants to know. God chuckles and says, My son Mephiokma, you gave it to the desert, didn't you? That desert been thirsty long before your time. I knew that, but you didn't. Again, King M cries up to God sadly. God, 
since you knew the desert was going to drink up the river, why didn't you warn me when I was diverting it there? And since you can do everything, why didn't you just sate the desert so it wouldn't drink up all the river? God sighs heavily and King M's whole kingdom trembles. Then God says, Mephiokma, that's the problem with you humans. You just don't get it. Now, my friend, you know the story. You can figure out the moral. I'm not sure what it is, so I can't tell you. I can tell you, though, that I like this story, and I'd like to try to dramatize it. You think maybe you can play King M, and I can play God? Alright, y'all, I don't know exactly what y'all thought of that story. I mean, I understood the idea, but I also, I mean, if you ask me, the moral of the story would be... I don't know, do your fucking homework or uh, stop thinking you can control everything. I really don't know. I'm just spitballing here. I really don't know exactly what the moral of the story is. Um, but anyway, and uh, just in case you were wondering, like the little accent that I tried to do for that story was something like a, a really bad imitation of an African person's accent when they speak English, like a stereotypical person from some country in Africa. You know what I'm saying? Because... From what I understand, this story takes place in Africa, somewhere in Africa. I don't know where. So I kind of just, I don't know, tried to make it more entertaining for you. Tried to make it more entertaining for you because this is life in English. And, you know, you, you got you to gotta stay awake for the whole podcast, right? 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 Yeah. Anyway, let's get to this vocabulary, man. There's only a little bit. Um, the moral of the story, maybe you haven't been understanding what I meant when I said that. Um, the moral of the story is basically the lesson to be learned in the story. We call that the moral. Um, and then God said, I'll give you a river so you won't lack water so much. Okay. Um, just so you know, really what he's saying is I'll give you a river so you won't need so much water because the original phrase so you won't lack water so much it's, it's a weird way of saying it in my opinion so i would naturally say i'll give you a river so you won't need so much water okay just a small detail uh diverting d-i-v-e-r-t-i-n-g diverting it means to cause something to change route or change direction okay so if you divert the river it means you find a way to make the river flow in another direction Okay. Um, tedious work. Tedious work is slow, tiring, monotonous work. Okay. That's what tedious means. Just slow, tiring, and monotonous. Boring. All right. Um, the whole river dries up. Okay. Now, in this case, the phrasal verb dry up. I mean, it's really you. What you need to understand is the idea of something becoming dry. That's all it means. But normally we use this context, we use this phrasal verb in the context of like running water, like a river or a lake or an ocean or maybe even your sink. If it dries up, it just means it no longer runs. The water is no longer running or moving at all. There's no more. Okay. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, tremble. T-R-E-M-B-L-E. -E, tremble. It just means to shake. That's all it means. So the whole kingdom trembled, the whole kingdom shook, kind of like in an earthquake. The land or the, the buildings start to tremble, okay? All right. 
So that was uh, story number three. Again, it was called King M. And the author of the story is Crispin Oduobuk. Hopefully, I'm not saying that too terribly. All right. So now, without further ado, let's get on to story number four, which is Grandma Beats Up Airport Security Guards. Yeah, um, just let that sink in for a minute while I get myself ready here. All right, here we go. Grandma beating up security guards in the airport. Let's see what this is about. Charges were dropped yesterday against Ruth Grammy Gordon, an 83-year-old wheelchair-bound grandmother who was originally charged with assault and battery and assault with a deadly weapon because of an altercation she had last week with six airport security guards that left all six hospitalized. Justice has been served, said the 95-pound mother of three and grandmother of six as she sat in her wheelchair, aided in her breathing by an oxygen bottle. Now I'm going to sue every fool in the federal government for ignorance, stupidity, and just plain general incompetence. I'm an American, and I won't be treated like this. The problem began last month as Gordon was attempting to board an airplane. These guys were supposed to be some kind of professionals, she said, but they're dumber than rocks. Here they were letting guys who look just like terrorists walk through without searching them, and then they pull me aside and tell me they're going to search me? I don't think so. According to one witness, Bud Court of Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio, one guard, who weighed about 300 pounds, looked like he was drunk and had his shirt out, told this woman she couldn't board the plane unless they searched her. He was really rude. That's when the trouble started. Videotapes showed that Gordon ran the guard down with her motorized wheelchair, then sat on top of the screaming man while spinning her chair in circles. Doofus was so fat he couldn't get up, said Gordon with a giggle. One guard who attempted to pull Gordon's wheelchair off of the screaming man from behind was hit over the head with an oxygen bottle and knocked unconscious. A third guard who approached Gordon from the front was also left dazed on the floor. Witnesses said she was cackling. Put your hands on an old lady, will you? As she bashed both guards. The tape also showed a fourth guard attempting to grab Gordon's wheelchair. Gordon removed a knitting needle from her purse and stabbed him in his left buttock. What a wimp, she told reporters. He started screaming and grabbing his butt and running like a puppy that someone kicked. It was amazing, said another witness, a Scott Ryan. The whole crowd just stood there cheering and clapping. I mean, she was whooping butt. A fifth guard that attempted to grab Gordon had the seat of his pants set on fire with a cigarette lighter that had escaped detection. He just went whoosh across the concourse, screaming and slapping at all these flames flying out of his rear, said Ryan. A sixth guard did finally manage to get Gordon in a body hug. I think that was the wrong thing to do, said another witness who declined to be identified. She just grabbed him by his greasy hair with one hand and cracked him across the jaw with her skinny fist. And down and out he went. After all this, Gordon's chair was still sitting on top of the first guard. The tapes clearly showed her leaning over and yelling, Apologize to me, you fat son bitch, or when I'm done with you, you'll just be a greasy spot on the floor. As the crowd roared, the guard cried, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, uncle, I won't do it again. 
Finally, Gordon surrendered without further incident and was taken to jail and released on her own recognizance. We didn't have any choice, said the unidentified officer of the court. Over 200 people showed up to support her. I think if we had demanded bail, there would have been a riot. Over 20 lawyers offered to defend her for free. However, realizing the precariousness of the case, Gordon was not charged with anything. I doubt there's a jury in the whole country that would have found her guilty of anything, said one of the lawyers. I'm flying again tomorrow, Golden told the reporters, and I suggest no one at that airport so much as look at me wrong. All right, so that was uh, grandma beating up airport security guards and not going to jail for it. Um, hopefully you enjoyed that story. I thought reading it again out loud to myself, it was kind of stupid, but hopefully you found it somewhat entertaining and hopefully you'll get some interesting vocabulary uh, that I'm about to explain to you now because that's the purpose of this, right? Life in English, right? Learning English, right? Live in English, right? All right, let's get to it. Now, the first piece of vocabulary I want to share with you is the charges were dropped. Now, what this means is uh, people stopped pursuing legal action against the grandmother, right? Like if somebody presses charges on you, it means that they're going to take you to court and try to pursue some kind of legal action, take you to jail, get you to pay the money or something like that. They press charges because you did something legal to them. Okay, so if they drop the charges, it means they stop pursuing that legal action. They give up. Right. There's no more case. Um, wheelchair bound. Okay, now wheelchair is literally a chair with wheels on it that people use when they can't walk. It's a wheelchair. So someone who is wheelchair bound is literally someone who's bound to their wheelchair. Not and bound means tied. Okay, so they're not literally tied to the wheelchair, but they're kind of stuck to it because they can't walk without it. So they're constantly in the wheelchair. So they're bound to it. Okay, um, charged with assault and battery. Basically, what this means is you're being legally processed for attacking someone. Assault and battery is like physically attacking someone. It's the legal term for it. Um, altercation. An altercation is just a noisy argument, and usually it's in public. Okay, It can even be a fight, but normally it's some kind of argument, and sometimes it, it leads into a fight. But it's like a public, noisy argument in the street. Okay? Um, I'm going to sue every fool in the federal government. Now, to sue someone is to legally process them, like we talked about before. They're going to normally we say press charges when it's a violent crime or something like that. But to sue someone, normally you're trying to get them to pay you some kind of money for something that was done wrong. It's not necessarily a violent crime, though. You see what I mean? Does that make sense? All right. Um, spinning her chair in circles all that means is turning her chair around in circles spinning is the word for it because to turn means like you turn left or you turn right but to spin means to go around in circles multiple times so she was doing that with her chair okay um, doofus was so fat he couldn't get up now doofus is a really old word you probably won't hear anybody say this word anymore but doofus is just like another word for idiot. Somebody's stupid. You're a fucking doofus. All right. But you'll probably never hear that word in 2019. 
Or two thousand almost two thousand twenty, dog. That shit is crazy. Two thousand twenty. Um where are we at? She bashed both guards. Again, um bash is similar to thrash, which is a word that you've already heard in, during this podcast. It just means to hit somebody normally with an object but not necessarily but you just hit them really hard bam i'm gonna bash you with my oxygen tank or something like that does that make sense all right um knitting needle now a knitting needle is a piece of metal it looks like a needle that we use to loop wool or or some kind of cloth together to make clothing okay so i mean we have sewing machines now that do this for us but before the sewing machine existed, people would take two pieces of metal and some some wool or some yarn or something like that, and they would knit the wool together to make a shirt or to make to make clothing, right? Making clothes by hand. It's called knitting, okay? And the knitting needle is the piece of metal that you use to knit your clothes together, all right? Um, puppy. A puppy is just a baby dog. That's what we call baby dogs. We call them puppies, okay? Uh, the whole crowd just stood there cheering and clapping. Now, cheering is what you do um, when you're at like a, a sporting event or maybe a concert or something like that, and you, you're supporting someone. Like, yeah, woo, let's go. That's like cheering, okay? So they're cheering and clapping for this old lady who's beating a bunch of security guards' ass in the airport. You see what I'm saying? Um, whooping butt. Whooping butt is kind of like a like a polite way of saying kicking ass all right um like a kid like a three-year-old kid or a 10-year-old kid could say whooping butt and he won't get in trouble but he might get in trouble for saying kicking ass you see what i'm saying but it's literally the same thing whooping butt um the seat of his pants the seat of his pants is just his butt his ass because it's like an expression that we use because you sit in a seat and the thing that's touching the seat is your butt, right? So it's just a, it's an expression that means your butt, your rear end, your backside, your ass, your, yeah, you get the idea. Uh, greasy hair. Greasy hair is a term that we use to describe hair that's very oily, right? Kind of like the grease on french fries or something like that. You run your hands through the person's hair and you feel like you just... You know, dipped your hand in a bucket of oil or something like that. The person's hair is greasy. Okay? It's got a lot of grease or oil in the hair. Uh, cracked him across the jaw with her skinny fist. Now, in this case, crack is just another word for hit. But when you hit the person, it, maybe it makes a crack sound like crack. Right? So she cracked him across the face, hit him in the jaw with her skinny fist. And a fist, F-I-S-T, is what we call a hand when it's closed. Like when you're going to hit somebody, you close your hand, make it into like a ball. And we call that a fist. Okay? Um, and down and out he went. Down and out is, uh, I think it comes, from, it's a term I think that comes from boxing. Because when the boxer gets knocked down, bam, he falls down and he's knocked out. So he's down and he's out. He's asleep. He's knocked out. You see what I'm saying? So if, the grandma hit him in the face and down and out he went. You see what I'm saying? So apparently she knocked him out. Um, and then the grandma said, you fat some bitch. Now, <laughs> you fat some bitch is uh, really what she's saying is you fat son of a bitch. But in the South, 
you'll hear a lot of people say, son, bitch. You fat son, bitch. I'll beat your ass, you fat son, bitch. And, uh, yeah, she was just calling him a fat son of a bitch. She's not a very nice lady. Um, as the crowd roared. This is basically another way of saying as the crowd cheered, right? Now, the word roar, R-O-A-R, is the word that we use to describe the, the sound that lions make. Roar. That's a roar. I guess not just lions, but they're the most famous for their roaring sound, I guess. So when you're in like a stadium, a football stadium, for example, and the crowd's just going crazy, they're just screaming and yelling. It sounds like a giant roar, right? So as the crowd roared, or as the crowd screamed and cheered for the woman, the following happened. You see? Um, riot, R-I-O-T, riot. It's, uh, a riot is a chaotic fistfight between two groups of people. Right. So let's say there's a there's, you know, 30 people at the courthouse waiting to see what happens with this woman's case and they take her to jail. Then the 30 people get extremely angry and they just start destroying shit, trying to fight anybody and everybody in their path. And it's just straight chaos. OK, something that you probably don't want to be a part of. Right. I don't I don't want to get fucking punched in the face for for nothing. Right. Just because I'm next to the crowd fuck that let me go to my car uh precariousness precariousness is um can i the word precarious means very likely to fail or to collapse or to not be successful something like that okay so the precariousness is the nature we're talking about the nature of the situation right so the likeliness that this case wasn't going to be successful, that it was going to, you know, collapse in some way. That's the precariousness of the case. Hopefully that makes sense. And that was the last bit of vocabulary I have for story number four. We've got one more, except this story isn't really funny at all. It's, it's more of like a, a romance, a sad romance or something like that. I don't know. It's called Snowflakes by Louisa Campbell. I don't know where any of these authors are from. I don't know. I'm not familiar with any of their work. I just found these little short stories online because I thought it might be interesting for you, uh, the listener, right? But anyway, like I said, I think I'm going to put all this information in the show notes so that you can look it up yourself uh, in your free time. All right, so let's get to the last story because we're almost at an hour here and I don't want to take too much more of your time. All right, so again, this story is called Snowflakes. And it's about um, a couple that lives in a very cold place where it snows. Okay, that's all I can tell you. You'll get the rest of the information now in the story. All right, so let's get started. It was Christmas the first time they made love. He said it felt like coming home. He bought her a silver bracelet with a chunky heart charm. He moved into her house. She was good for him. They noticed the new positivity at work. He was good for her. She started writing again. That Christmas, he bought her a little silver typewriter charm. The next was a white Christmas. The snowflakes arrived like the cavalry in their trillions. Each one is different, you know. Blessing, caressing their street so that instead of the patchwork tarmac road and narrow, rickety block pavements, there was a soft, still river of glitter. No one could get their cars out. Oh, the velvety peace. 
silence, like that Christmas carol. Shoulders relaxed, everyone beamed at each other, drank the soft air into their lungs, and just breathed. The roads belonged to the people again. He couldn't drive to work. Without a word, they both ran, slippily into the middle of the street in their black wellies, flump scrunch, flump scrunch, and then they span, with their arms outstretched, him in his navy wool work coat, her in her emerald green duffel. Then she said, this is as free as flying, and he understood. That Christmas, he gave her two silver filigree snowflake charms. The next Christmas, it didn't snow. He had been promoted, and he bought her a house from the landlord for them. That year, she had a perfect little silver house charm. The year after, he gave her driving lessons and a racing car charm. The following year, it must have snowed first, but she only remembered the ice. Snow, compacted, beaten down to glass. The pavements were suffocated by it. No cigar scratch cards and empty fag packets encapsulated like long dead creatures in amber. The people complained the council had not gritted the pavements. She had to try and steady herself with bits of wall, railings, mitten sodden, fingers ice bitten. She could no longer trust her legs, her feet sliding away from beneath her, trying not to look a fool and wondering, did she feel this much fear every time she fell as a child? That Christmas, he had been promoted again. He bought her a little silver pound sign. They argued over a dog. She wanted paws in the house, eager eyes, something to cuddle. He saw picking up poo and having to drag out to the park in the cold. He was resolute. That Christmas, she had a silver dachshund charm, and that's the only bloody dog you're getting. The following year, she had a little silver high-heeled shoe. She didn't wear high-heeled shoes. She assumed his secretary had been sent out to shop for it. That was the last charm. The solicitor said she could not have the car, but she could have the house, the typewriter, and the dog. The heart was mangled anyway. She no longer wanted that. All she really wanted was the snowflakes. All right, y'all. So that was Snowflakes by Louisa Campbell. And um, I mean, I'm not sure how well I read that story. So maybe it was a little difficult to understand what was actually happening. But what I understood from the story was basically the way the author wrote the story. She was kind of trying to tell you a story, but give it to you in pieces, like chronological pieces, skipping from one Christmas to the next Christmas, because I'm assuming every Christmas it snowed in their city. You know what I'm saying? And that's kind of what they both loved about the place that they were, I guess. And then um, you kind of see the progression of the relationship. And at the end, you kind of see, or I got the idea that um, the relationship ended. You see what I'm saying? They they moved in together. They had a few good Christmases, maybe not some so some not so good Christmases. And then the relationship kind of just ended, you see. And she was kind of left with this, this strange desire just to to be in the snow again you know, because that was maybe the happiest time for her every year. I don't know. That's just what I understood after reading the story again. All right. But now let's get into this vocabulary and let's get out of here. All right. So uh, the first time they made love, okay, to make love is like a really, 
you know, it's a romantic way of saying have sex. That's really what it means in its essence, okay? So the first time they had sex or the first time they made love, right? A bracelet is jewelry that's made for your wrist. And your wrist is the part of your body that's right under your hand. So if you hold your hand up in front of your face, the part where uh, you bend, how can I say that? The part of your body that moves your hand back and forth, the joint where your hand bends, that's your wrist, okay? So you put a bracelet on your wrist, all right? Now, the chunky heart charm. Now, the word chunky is kind of, it's a word that's similar to fat, okay? There's lumps and chunks in it, so it's thick. It's not skinny, it's not thin, it's not small, it's chunky, okay? It's the opposite of that. Um, A heart charm is, um, how can I explain it? A charm is basically, a, it's, it's a little, it's a piece of jewelry that you put on a necklace or a bracelet, for example. So let's say you're wearing a bracelet and then you buy a little, a little piece of jewelry that looks like a heart and you attach that to your bracelet. Normally we call that a charm, okay? Or if you're wearing a necklace and at the, at the bottom of the necklace, the part that's hanging over your chest, you have a cross or you have some kind of icon, right? That's the charm of the necklace, okay? Uh, does that make sense? All right. A uh, typewriter. A typewriter is a machine that existed before the computer, right? The typewriter was the machine that we used to write on paper without a pen, okay? You still had the keyboard, and you type, and it goes... Every time you press a letter, and then you swing it back, and then you type some more. It's a typewriter, okay? Snowflake is an individual piece of snow, literally one individual flake of snow. That's why we call them snowflakes, okay? Um, And just to give you an idea of what the word flake means in this context, uh, for those of you that maybe have dandruff in your hair, which is like um, you have really dry hair and when you scratch your head, little pieces of skin or dirt fall out of your hair, that's called dandruff, those are also called flakes, dandruff flakes, or frosted flakes, like the cereal. You know what frosted flakes are? Okay, never mind. Uh, maybe that's just an American thing. Anyway, flakes. F-L-A-K-E-S. Look it up on Google. Snowflake. Um, cavalry is an old word for army. Okay, so the snowflakes arrived like the cavalry in the trillions. Just means they all arrived at once. Kind of like, you know the Trojan army in Rome or something like that. I don't even know if that makes sense, but I think you get the idea. Um, Caressing. Caressing means touching or stroking in a gentle, loving way. The same way a mother kind of holds and rubs her baby in a loving way, she's caressing her baby, okay? Uh, Rickety block pavements. Basically what this describes is poorly paved roads, that make the car shake when you drive over it, you know, like um, like the cobblestone roads in Salvador, for example. Um, they're kind of rickety because something that's rickety means it's like it shakes and it it isn't well put together, right? Like uh, this microphone stand that I'm shaking is a little rickety, right? Because it's not firmly put in place, so I can shake it and it starts to it feels like it's gonna fall apart almost, okay? Um, velvety piece now velvet is a very very smooth piece of cloth normally we use it for clothing or for 
couch, like furniture and stuff like that. It's very, very smooth. So velvety peace is just kind of like an artistic way of saying a very smooth, serene, comfortable peace. Okay. Um, and when I say peace, I don't mean like a piece of cake or a piece of paper. I mean peace, P-E-A-C-E, like the opposite of chaos. Okay. Um, or the opposite of war, actually. Right. Okay. Everyone beamed at each other. Now, what this means is everyone smiled really big. Everyone was really happy to see each other. You know, I look at you and I smile really, really big because I'm so happy. I'm beaming at you. Kind of like um, like a really bright light. You know, my smile shines like a light beam, right? Uh, slippily, S-L-I-P-P-I-L-Y, slippily. It's um, what they're trying to describe is somebody who's walking, but they're sort of sliding as they walk. You know, like when the ground is wet and you don't have any shoes on, maybe you slide a little bit, you slip or you slide. That's what they're trying to describe. Like when you're walking on ice, obviously, like just like in the story, you know, you're kind of sliding all over the place. You're not comfortable. Okay. Now, the landlord, the landlord is the word that we use for the owner of a piece of land or the owner of a piece of property, like an apartment, a house, uh, office building. It doesn't matter. That's the landlord. Okay. Uh, compacted means forced into a smaller form, right? For example, when you make a snowball, you get a bunch of snow off the ground in both hands, and then you compact it with your hands into a ball, okay? Uh, that makes sense, right? All right. Beaten down. Beaten down just means beaten, f like, literally towards the ground. You're beaten down to a lower position on the earth. You see what I'm saying? Beaten to the ground. Um, empty fag packets. All right. Now, this is an interesting one because the word fag or the word faggot, which, you know, fag is kind of like a short, shorter version of faggot. That word in general is a derogatory term um, that people use to talk about like homosexual people. All right. Like, for example, you say the word nigger or nigger to as a derogatory term for black people. The word faggot is a derogatory term for homosexual people, normally homosexual men. So I don't recommend that you use this word. But in this context, a much older meaning of the word fag is cigarette. I don't know why. I don't know where that comes from. But people used to call cigarettes fags, F-A-G. So a f an empty fag packet is an empty cigarette box. Okay. Um, next, gridded the pavements. Um, they, they claim that the city council hadn't griven, gridded the pavements or something like that. And basically what they're saying is they're complaining that the city government hasn't fixed the roads. They're all rickety and bumpy, so it's uncomfortable to drive on. All right. Um, mittens, sodden, fingers, ice bitten. Okay. Now, mittens are the gloves that you wear on your hands when it's cold outside. Those are called mittens. Um, sodden basically means wet. Okay, so her gloves are all wet because of the melting ice. And fingers ice-bitten means that her fingers are so cold that um, they're literally frozen. Because frostbite, and I don't want to get this wrong, but I think frostbite is a medical condition when your fingers get so frozen that you literally, they, you need to cut them off of your hands. Let me, hold on, give me a second. I'm going to search what frostbite actually is because now I'm curious. Okay. So I got the definition here. 
and it says frostbite is an injury caused by freezing of the skin and underlying tissues. First, your skin becomes very cold and red, then numb or without feeling, then hard and pale. Frostbite is most common on the fingers, toes, nose, ears, cheeks, and chin. Exposed skin in cold, windy weather is most vulnerable to frostbite. So it's just the fr- the freezing of the various layers of your skin, and I think I'm not sure. I think if it if it gets too bad, the condition that you actually have to cut off your, the part of your body that's frostbitten. I think, but don't quote me on that. Maybe that's just something I saw in a movie. I don't know. Um, where are we at? Fingers ice bitten. Ah, she wanted paws in the house. Now paws are like the feet, or yeah, the feet of dogs. Right, we have hands and feet, but animals have paws, right? Or mammals have paws, like dogs, horse, uh, not horses. I'm fucking up here. Dogs have paws. Cats, um, furry animals. You get the idea, man. The the feet of the animal. She wanted a dog in the house. It's a poetic way of saying that she wanted a dog in the house. Eager eyes, um, something to cuddle. Eager means like excited. Okay, so. Normally, a dog looks at you with eager eyes. They're excited to see you. They're excited to know what's coming next. They're always just excited for some strange reason. I guess they always think you're about to give them some food or something like that. Now, she said she said that she wanted something to cuddle. Now, to cuddle is to basically hug someone and not let them go, like a romantic hug. For example, you lay down on the couch, you turn on the Netflix, you're with your girl, you're with your boyfriend, whatever, and you guys lay there hugging each other, watching Netflix. So you're cuddling while watching Netflix, okay? Um, Picking up poo and having to drag out to the park in the cold. Now, poo is uh, like dog shit, like poop. It's just another way of saying poop, feces, shit. So all he could imagine when getting a dog was picking up the dog shit and having to drag out to the park or being forced to go out to the park when it's cold outside. Um, let's see. How do you say that word again? Dachshund? Let me see. One second. Dachshund. Dachshund, the dog. It's a, it's a type of dog. Um, I don't know where it comes from. Dachshund sounds German, though. Any bre- Okay. Dachshund is any of a breed of long-bodied, short-legs, short-legged dogs of German origin that occur in short-haired long-haired or wired-haired varieties dachshund there you go um high-heeled shoe a high-heeled shoe is uh, a woman's it's a woman's shoe for fashion like most shoes don't have heels but like supermodels they wear a particular type of shoe for example that makes them taller those are high-heeled shoes okay um the solicitor the solicitor is just a formal word for the seller. To solicit something means to sell something, okay? A lot of times you'll walk into residential neighborhoods, and when you walk up to the door, you'll see a sign that says no soliciting, which means don't knock on my door if you're trying to sell me some shit, okay? Um, the heart was mangled anyway. Now, mangled basically means destroyed or damaged in some kind of way. So what they're saying is the heart charm on the bracelet was basically destroyed anyway, so she didn't want it, okay? All right, man. 
we made it. We made it to the end. How are we doing on time? We're at hour 14. That's not too bad. Hopefully, you're still here with me. And if you are, thank you again for being here. And congratulations. Hopefully, you found this episode a little... This episode... This episode a little bit interesting, entertaining. Hopefully, you liked some of the stories. And hopefully... You got some interesting and useful vocabulary as well. But if you have any doubts or questions, you can always shoot me an email at englishwithkaizen at gmail.com. That's englishwithkaizen at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at Tony Kaizen. Um, yeah, send me a message, man, anytime. If you got doubts, you want to leave some feedback about the podcast, I always appreciate that, you know. But I think we're going to get out of here, man, because it's we've been here an hour and 15 minutes now. And uh, I got class in about 15 minutes and I'm hungry. So I'm going to get something to eat. But that's it for now, man. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Life in English. Uh, I'm your host, Tony Kaizen, and I'll talk to you a little bit later. Peace. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.